Welcome to today's interview. Max Reibolt, the president and CEO of Coker Group, is with us. Uh, the Coker Group handles strategic, tactical, financial, and management issues that health systems and physicians face in today's evolving marketplace. Max's uh, position in the healthcare industry makes him uniquely positioned to provide some great perspective in terms of what's happening today, right now. Max has a passion for working with clients and organizations of all sizes, and his firm, the Coca Group, engages in consulting projects nationwide. Welcome to the show, Max. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be here. Hope you're doing well today. Absolutely. So very excited to get your perspective on what's happening in the healthcare business services and in the healthcare market in general, given that you and your firm have a quite a wide reach into a variety of different areas that touch all along everything from, from revenue cycle to what companies are doing, their strategic plans. And so maybe could you just give a sort of one minute overview of what Coker Group does? And then I'll ask you some questions relating to some insights around business. And thanks for uh, thanks for the invite to begin with, too. It's a real honor to be with you. Uh, so Coker Group has been around uh, about 33 years. We've always focused on healthcare providers and assisting them strategically, uh, tactically, operationally, and so forth. We've always uh, worked with, as I said, healthcare providers, and typically uh, these days we we kind of divide our work and certainly try to overlap it between our service lines, but we focus on operations, strategy, financial uh, work, including compliance work in the healthcare space on uh, fair market value and commercially reasonable and compensation opinions, uh, tech, healthcare information technology, uh, executive search and human capital, and uh, physician services where we actually go into practices and do uh, performance improvement. So, again, uh, w- really honored to be with you. And uh, absolutely. So, given that you have such a broad perspective into what your clients are dealing with right now. How do you see the providers faring through all of this? And what do you think the immediate consequences, although obviously it's very hard to predict, but what are you seeing at the ground level right now? Well, I don't want to be too overly dramatic here, but um, I've been doing this a long time, Stephen, uh, probably more years than I'd like to admit. And I've never experienced anything. And I guess most of us could say the same thing, regardless of how much we, how long we've been working it's what we've gone through over the last almost three months now. It's truly changed the uh, landscape, and I think uh, the landscape will change a great deal for the future. Providers, uh, specifically hospitals and physicians and consortiums of healthcare providers these days, are I don't really know of any that haven't been seriously affected by the pandemic crisis. And uh, this goes all the way from uh, uh, lack of uh, moving forward with even ongoing existing initiatives that were just put to a screeching halt to certainly nothing much new in the way of innovative or, or new risk-based in, in initiatives. And really just trying to concentrate in many cases on uh, trying to maintain the status quo or some semblance thereof and hope that this passes 
as quickly as possible. I do think that healthcare is still by far the most stable and uh, opportunistic industry. Now that, that everything's relative, everything's been hurt. Uh, just look at the unemployment rates and so forth, and healthcare is no exception. But I do think healthcare will rebound faster, and we have more to look forward to than some that are unfortunate in other industries. Great points. So, in terms of how you're seeing providers, I mean, obviously they've gotten hit with not being able to to perform elective mm-hmm. uh, procedures of all kinds, and that that what's constitutes uh, elective is a fairly broad thing. So are you worried about the solvency of a lot of these providers? And do you see a lot of them not being able to come back from this and consolidation occurring in the industry? I guess, what's your sort of short-term prediction? I think the the vast majority will survive. And I think uh, obviously that's good. I do have some concerns about, in particular, some of the rural health care providers and the um, entities that even the government helps support even before with special uh, cost-based reimbursement programs such as critical access hospitals, rural health clinics, et cetera. Uh, but I, I do think that several of our uh, more rural healthcare providers will be challenged, and I do think some consolidation will result from that. I think uh, – by and large, the uh, health systems that, needless to say, were pretty strong, uh, had adequate reserves, number of days of cash on hand, et cetera, all those metrics that we typically go by, uh, while those were dented, uh, I think they'll, they'll withstand it and, and will move on and hopefully uh, start accruing some additional value by uh, you know, being profitable. I, I do think that there's a good chance that once things start to come back, and we're already seeing, seeing signs of that already, uh, that there'll be uh, more work for obviously the really good ones, if you will, uh, then, then we'll know what to do with. Uh, I'm sure we'll find a way to address it, but I really believe and you know, I'm more of a glass half full guy to begin with, but I, I really think that Uh, There's just tremendous opportunity uh, that will show itself pretty quickly. Uh, And, and, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, but the comeback is going to be relatively slow and deliberate and it won't be an overnight thing. And I I do subscribe to some of that. But uh, I was just telling you before we started, uh, you know, I got a call today from a hospital CEO who I actually had checked in with because we have two or three outstanding proposals that were all right there on the cusp, if you will, uh, before everything came to a halt in March. And so, you know, I've checked in with him, trying not to be a a bother. And I said, hey, you know, when you're ready, uh, get back and let's talk. And lo and behold, I got a call today and uh, he's ready to go with a couple of things. So uh, a really good sign and, and for someone like us. And I'm hoping that That'll be uh, impacted uh, similarly throughout the country and certainly uh, in as many places as possible. So I I think the opportunity is there and I think we have to latch on to it and look for innovative ways to provide care, which in some respects 
Nothing good from this. I want to make it clear to the listeners. I don't consider anything good about this pandemic and certainly the virus. But with all bad things, I guess in life, there are some silver linings, at least a little bit. And I think to some extent, we will have learned how to do some things better and some things the way we deliver care, such as telemedicine in this country, that uh, will be, I guess you would say, somewhat of a positive derivative. So we'll see where it goes. But I'm I'm pretty bullish on uh, our healthcare industry still in this country. Very good. So just un- to unpack that a little bit, because you said a lot of really great things that I wanted to ask you more about. But sure. I'm sure we've all been reading reports or or opinions on the number of rural and smaller providers potentially shuttering their doors forever. Do you think those are overblown, those those uh, estimates? And are we going to see a rather a con- consolidation as opposed to just a closing of a lot of these? Or what are your thoughts around that? I think that even before the pandemic, there were a number of rural providers, small hospitals in particular, that were in danger, that were very riding on the on the ledge, if you will. And I think the pandemic has uh, only obviously stressed that situation further. So yes, I think there'll be a number of closures. I think there'll be uh, some consolidation. There can be strategic reasons why a smaller hospital out in an outlying rural community will be attractive to an urban, if you will, facility that might be an acquirer. With that said, I think they'll change and probably need to some of the services and and the access to providers. Again, telehealth is going to be something that I think will become much more common way of providing services and and being to get the access to certain providers. And so I hope that it'll be as little as possible. We, you know, as a consulting firm, we, we do work for all types of hospital systems and healthcare entities, but we do a fair amount for small hospitals in rural areas. I grew up in a small town in Missouri, and, you know, there's something about that local hospital that still appeals to the citizens of those communities, and I hope that we can preserve it in this country, and yet I I do feel there's going to be some fallout without question. Excellent. Thank you for that thoughtful answer. So do you think that um, the federal government is acting correctly in the work that it's doing to help subsidize and and keep open some of these providers? And should they be doing more or do you think it's, and it's a broad question, but the states are getting involved, the federal government's getting involved. I guess, where does it end and how do you see that all going? Yeah, indeed. That's a very broad question. Very good one. Uh, I wish I had all the answers. <laughs> I'll take a stab at it. I think the, um, I, I think by and large, specific to the pandemic crisis, uh, the government has, has done a, a good job, uh, from Washington to, uh, most of the states. We won't get into specifics and certainly won't get into politics here, but I, I think that as I look back, I, I, I mean, it's easy to look back with 2020 hindsight and say, well, you, you could have done this or that better or whatever. <laughs> but I think the, uh, the way the things looked in, in March in particular, I mean, without the funding and the assistance, 
I, I just don't know if if we would have even kept the morale up to as high as we did. I I do think at this point that enough is enough, and uh, we need to uh, again not trying to stray off into some political discussion, but I think we need to kind of allow the free enterprise system to work and and capitalism and I, I think the government generally speaking, has done enough. And I think that that will uh, will be the right decision going forward. And I see a lot of that coming down right now. I think the federal programs that have supported, some, particularly some of the rural providers, should continue. And to the extent that anyone needs any additional help down the road, I would I would certainly focus upon them. Interestingly enough, there was a lot of folks, not so much in healthcare necessarily, but uh, when they got the original CARES Act money, the PPP money, it was like, well, wait a minute, uh, do you really need it? And again, I won't name names, but there's it, it should go to those that rightfully need it and can use it even going forward. So I'm hopeful that we'll learn from this and, and we'll uh, be even better prepared going forward if, God forbid, we have another one of these or, or this one. Uh, raises its ugly head again a second time around. But I'm I'm fairly pleased with the way uh, government worked in this case. Okay. So what specific changes are you guys implementing at Coca Group with regard to how you do business? I think that's a topic that's very interesting for anyone in healthcare business services. I've been to your offices. You value uh, having people working in the same space. You're not a, I know you're not a work from home type of company. So how are you guys adapting to that? And how do you see this trend changing or evolving in the future? Yeah, great question. And, and believe me, I'm answering it differently than I would have back in say February before all this all came about. You're right. We've always kind of taken that approach. To some extent, I'm a little old school. I admit it. I kind of like seeing folks and having the interaction in an office environment. I still do, but I have to say I've learned to appreciate uh, we've been working remotely. Thankfully, we had all of our systems in place to where it was easily accommodating to a remote worker to be productive, but we started at the second, I think it was the second week in March, and we still are. We'll probably uh, start to lift it and make it somewhat more optional in June. But we are rethinking the entire space utilization and, you know, the resources that it requires over the longer term vis-a-vis additional costs of, of the facilities, rent, et cetera. But as far as doing things differently, we've, we've worked remotely. We've worked better, learning better on how to do that and still communicate with ourselves, each other, and our clients. And of course, we've adopted the Zoom or GoToMeeting. I mean, again, whichever, all of them that we've done with clients. I, I held a board meeting for a large multi-specialty group. It was interesting because, you know, you always think, well, a board meeting, if you're going to help facilitate the discussion, uh, you ought to be there. And of course, we couldn't be there. And uh, yet it, it worked pretty well. So I think we're going to be rethinking some of those things and probably taking some of the things that were we look back on and we said were okay the way they came down and, and worked and probably replicate them more so than we would have in the past. I think our employees 
have learned to appreciate the fact that they have an office to come to and, and we'll probably welcome that. But on the other hand, um, we've taken a little more liberal attitude of allowing some, or I think we will even more so after this is over, uh, working from home. Folk employees with small children and certainly didn't have daycare and things like that. It was absolute necessity to allow them to have that flexibility and freedom. And it may be going forward even for a while. So those are the things we're learning. As far as our clients go, we, we've tried to listen to them and uh, they tell you and not just working remotely, but, you know, a lot of it, they, they've appreciated the visibility of a video conference as opposed to just, you know, audio only. So we're trying to listen to them and, and focus in and we probably saved them a few bucks on uh, expense reimbursements, you know, by not traveling. So those are all things that, again, in a situation you don't want to ever see repeated, you, you try to get a few nuggets, positive nuggets out of it. And I think those are examples of that. That's great. And so what do you see are the lasting impacts of all this? So, you know, the obvious one being sort of telehealth, telemedicine, and a remote, more remote workforce. Mm-hmm. But beyond those two things, what else do you see as far as, as trends or something notable that seems to have, have shifted, if anything? Oh, I think a lot has shifted. I think the, the fundamental services that healthcare providers render in this country, of course, will continue the surgical work, the diagnostic services, you know, those things will continue. But I think the things that might be different, and I've touched on it, you've alluded to it, is, is to a certain extent, the way the healthcare provider provides their care to the patient vis-a-vis, again, remote connections through technology, typically through what we call telemedicine. I think that will continue to grow. And then there's a lot of uh, ingenuity that American ingenuity, as I like to call it, that has come about through services that are related to testing. I was talking to a company today and, and they've developed a a very impressive system and structure to where wherein they can not just test for COVID-19 through remote sites and, and so forth, kind of a drive-in, drive-by type thing, but their plan, I said, well, you know, what happens to your business when COVID-19 hopefully soon will, will more or less pass or hopefully there's a vaccine for it? And they said, well, you know, we're thinking about other things. There's other infectious disease and influenza, et cetera. And so I think that we'll learn from these things and we'll apply them. Some will be new businesses. Some will be expanding existing ones. Many will go back to the core meat and potato work that they do, and it's all good. But I think, again, we'll we'll see a fair amount of change. You know, some of it's, a little, I guess, a little bit on the uh, personal side in the sense that, you know, I don't know that the handshake, it, which has always been earmark just an absolute indication of greeting but it's not existent and i guess maybe it shouldn't be right now but you know something like that we'll see if, if something else replaces it as such maybe a, a salute or something i don't know but all kinds of things will result from this change the one thing i i would like to hope that we don't take on more than we should is this idea that we should or or it's best to work 
in a virtual setting all the time. Again, it was very much needed. I applauded. Uh, we've done, I did a conference. I did a presentation last Friday for the American Urologic Association annual conference I've spoken at for years. And it was all remote and it went well. They did a great job, but it was still a lot missing there when you didn't get to meet your audience and connect with them and go to lunch and, and that sort of thing. So uh, I'm hoping that we'll get back to some of those, at least for me, meaningful things. Great. Do you see the consulting business generally changing as a result of some of these trends, like maybe fewer live meetings and things like that? Yeah, I do. And again, that's not all bad, not all negative. There's with the technology we have today and with the consideration of health, as well as just your well-being, we try to help our consultants balance what we call the life balance as such, quality of life with business. And yet, not surprisingly, there have been times in the past where We've had some that have really uh, either burned out or gotten real close because of the excessive travel and and so forth. And I think we can learn to say, well, you know, you may not always have to physically go there. You can still accomplish and you save a few bucks along the way and certainly a lot of wear and tear on the consultant. So we're trying to do some of those things and, and still keep it in proper perspective to properly serve our clients and make sure that they feel that they've not been overlooked or neglected if we didn't go on site. It hadn't been a problem recently. Everyone understands, but it, it certainly could change down the road. I, I was telling somebody, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I'm, I'm working on not nearly as avidly as I used to, but I'm working on my third million of miles with Delta Airlines. You know, been doing this as long as I've been doing it with Coker. This is the by far the longest stretch where I haven't been in an airport and uh, I don't know what it's going to feel like when I finally go off and take first trip after all this and, and see, uh, it may feel incredibly strange after all these uh, months, but, but, you know, I think again, we, we have to look for silver linings in, in these situations. And maybe those are some things that we can benefit from as a result. Makes sense. So what do you see as the best opportunity I guess for for your business coming out of all of this, which trend do you think is something that you can really use to turn lemons into lemonade? And then more broadly, what trends in healthcare should people be paying attention to so that they too can make lemons out of lemonade if their business is off 20, 30, 40, 50% maybe? Yeah, I, I think overarching principles of our business providing advisory services are not going to change. They may be packaged a little differently. In fact, they are. I've already talked about that some. And yet when you boil it down, Stephen, uh, it's still about technical knowledge, responsiveness, practicing in an ethical manner with your client and obviously within the legal, particularly with the healthcare compliance circles, in legal between the white lines, as I call it. Those basic principles will not change and shouldn't. And if as consultants, we understand and stay up to date on what's going on in the industry and some of the new trends, and then stay technically sound, and then do all those other things, you know, return phone calls, return emails, return texts, attend the proper video conference and so forth. 
if we do all those things, then I feel the work is there and will be there. And now what type of work will it be? I think there's going to be more transactional work between healthcare providers. We just finished a, a white paper, thought it was time to write one. And, and I kind of took the lead with some of our other associates. And basically, uh, I forget the exact title, but the the theme of it is post-crisis affiliation traits or characteristics. We had a better title than that, but that's basically what it is. And the conclusions were that if it's a, a group looking to merge with a group or doctors merging, if it's doctors looking to align with hospitals, if it's physicians and related entities looking to partner with private equity, it doesn't matter. Those times, uh, there's going to be all kinds of those transactions out there, and I think growing. So the opportunities for folks like us, attorneys, private equity that, that has solid business plan, hospitals that treat their doctors right, if you know what I mean, I just think that there's going to be tremendous opportunity for all of us because I see more of that, more consolidation, if that's the way you want to call it, occurring. And and so I'm very optimistic. And, you know, if we happen to do another one of these in 90 days, I guess I could tell you then what's happened. But I have a feeling that we'll be so busy that we won't know what to do because of all the stuff that's happening. Again, assuming we don't have the second wave and, you know, something catastrophic that, God forbid, won't happen Uh then I think I think we're going to be all pretty busy. And I've always been incredibly appreciative of, of just being a part of the healthcare industry in this country. It's been a real honor. Max, those are terrific thoughts to probably conclude on here because I could ask you a bunch more questions and keep you here all day, but I appreciate your time and your insights. Any uh, concluding remark that you want to leave with others here, words of wisdom or thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you very much. It's been an honor to participate with you. And Stephen, uh, I, I feel that we'll work together, work collaboratively, and I think we'll be just fine overall in this country. But I do think it's been a real challenge to a lot of our, uh, and I do feel for a lot of folks that have not been as successful as, as or as lucky maybe is the way to put it as we have been in, in healthcare. Uh, and I do uh, take very seriously and, and, and pray every day for those folks that have been victims of and the families of the COVID-19. Uh, you know, on the big picture, business is so important and we all live it every day. But when it gets down to it, it, it comes down to keeping everybody healthy. So I'm hoping that first and foremost, that will happen in this country as we go forward. Max, thank you so much for your time today. Fantastic uh, insights here. Appreciate it. If anyone's curious, uh, Coker Group, C-O-K-E-R group.com for more information about the wide variety of business uh, advisory services Coker Group does. Thanks so much. Thank you.